0: Welcome to the Mad Writers Union.
1: Speculative Destruction, one episode at a time. I'm Jay Wolf.
0: I'm Tim Berger.
1: I'm Nina Niskanen. And
0: we're your hosts. So, the Mad Writers Union uh, is a collaboration that kind of formed out of the most recent Bible Paradise class, BP 19. And the three of us, uh, after talking, decided that, hey, we really want to do a t- podcast to talk about writing and what it's like for those of us who are neo-pros to, to go through the things that we need to do to get published, to do this as a way of life. And hence the Mad Writers Union started today, the uh, podcast.
2: So one of the things that I've been led to believe through several different books and, and other conversations that I've had is that A lot of writers are specifically using goal setting as a way of determining you know determining themselves to actually to achieve things to get work done to stay on schedule stay on task as a um, as a book project goes forward or a story or so on and so forth so i'm really bad at setting goals getting into viable paradise is actually the first time i have Ever actually set a goal that worked so I figure that my lovely and talented friend Nina who is basically the opposite of me on goal setting might have a little bit of input on this
1: so (laughs) I'm just going to amend that a bit and say that I might not actually achieve my goals but I know how to set really good
2: goals that's more than I can do so that's already that's already good
1: The thing about goal setting is that you want to be doing SMART goals. SMART is specific, measurable, actionable, realistic, and timely. Specific means, let's say, I want to write an urban fantasy novel of about 90,000 words. That's a specific goal. You know when you have achieved this. Measurable is... Well, that's 90,000 words. You can fudge that as the project goes along and you... Like when you have a better idea of what you're actually going into? Yes. Actionable is something that you can actually do. So you wouldn't be setting a goal of going into the moon because... It's a lot It's a lot of work.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> that's a dream. It's
1: not just a lot of work.
0: It's It's the dream. very,
1: very unlikely. Unless you're Elon Musk. Or Batman. Because Batman. (laughs) Exactly. This also ties into realistic. So you wouldn't be setting a goal for being able to finish that novel within the next week, say. Unless you're someone who routinely writes 50,000 words a day there are people who do that report doing that which is possibly the same thing but there's also uh, this ties into uh, timely which is basically you need a deadline for it but that deadline needs to be a, a realistic deadline so for example if you want to write uh, 90,000 words uh, and you you write at about say a rate of thousand words a day. You could probably finish the novel in 90 days, but you might want to build a buffer into that because you probably won't be writing at a 1000 words every day. And stuff like illness and that kind of thing happens. But it's important that there is a deadline involved.
2: So that there's a finite point at which you've either succeeded or failed?
0: Yes, exactly. And part of this, I think also, you have to be aware, you have to have some kind of internal knowledge about yourself, <laughs> about the best ways that you work together, uh, yes. and and knowing what's achievable for you. Yes. Because that, that all kind of plays into what kind of schedule that you fall into during your days. Like, me, I've got two kids, and it makes my days and my weeks very hectic, so I have a harder time doing deadlines with things because uh, my weeks are so hectic I don't know how many how many uh, little blocks of writing I can get in at, at a time um, but I try to schedule certain blocks and also I, I try to, to squeeze in writing when I can
1: yeah and, and that makes sense That is very important in goal setting but also it's important to realize that once you have a goal, then you are more likely to strive for that goal. Except, it turns out, this is not always true. I just finished a a book called Rethinking Positive Thinking by Gabrielle Oettingen, who's a German researcher. She has found, through several studies in, in various ways of positive thinking, that just Doing positive thinking that I will reach this goal is not enough. Yeah.
0: Oh, that—that's—that's that, that's like the, the, the what is it? The secret or whatever. The, <laughs> yeah.
1: Yes, that's actually not enough.
0: Yeah, it's bullshit.
1: No, it's 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 not actually entirely bullshit. If you imagine an outcome and imagine it a, a positive outcome and only imagine the positive outcome, you actually so, uh cheat your subconscious to think that you have already achieved that outcome and this this actually apparently (laughs) manifests physically like the blood pressure of the people imagining the positive outcome drops by a a statistically measurable amount Mm. for what was it six minutes or something thinking about a positive outcome. And if 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 you're relaxed and happy in having achieved an outcome when you haven't actually done anything to reach that outcome, you're probably not going to reach that outcome. But instead, what Attingen recommends is that you do a technique called mental contrasting, which she has boiled down to whoop which is yes whoop <laughs> i really love this word <laughs> i agree yes and and it's actually it it's actually also a word
0: that's that's my new favorite name of like everything now
1: so whoop whoop, whoop is is wish outcome obstacle plan and uh uh Wish is something that you really want to achieve, whether it's big or small, whatever. Let's do the novel thing again. I want to write a novel in the next, say, 100 days. Outcome is the finished novel. <laughs> and it's good and everything is great and everything is awesome. Sorry for the earworm.
0: <laughs> it's a good earworm.
1: Obstacle is is all the things that are stopping you from doing it so when you're imagining achieving that wish you also imagine in detail all the obstacles you'll come across so there will be like internet comatose state in which you're basically watching an endless supply of cat videos on youtube that sounds like an accusation nina (laughs) well no it's a it's a fact i I, I dare you to find anyone who's never done that and i will tell you that i know lying. some cat
2: haters other than that though
1: yeah but there oh. are also cat videos in which cats basically <laughs> fail at life pa- fail at being cats so yeah, that's, you know. that's
2: an enjoyable part of having cats and watching cat videos yeah
1: and plan is you making a specific if then plan to overcome that obstacle. So for example, if you're trying to write a novel and you find yourself watching an endless stream of cat videos or not cat videos, let's say otter videos, because otters are awesome. If you find yourself watching a stream of endless otter videos, you, you, make, a, you make a plan. If, if I find myself watching otter video, videos, then I will write one sentence because one sentence most often turns into
0: more sentences.
1: That's a good strategy.
0: It's funny how you talk about the wish outcome obstacle plan bit, because as, as you were talking through that, I was think, thinking to myself, this sounds so much like a plot of a book. You've got a character with that's got a desire, uh, they they desire a certain outcome. They have obstacles, and then they have to plan to get through that. So I was sitting there thinking, oh, okay, that's kind of cool because I understand that concept.
1: Yeah, and 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 the same thing goes for smart smart goals because you need for plotting to work out. You need. Even if the protagonist is not ne- necessarily aware of them, the protagonist does need smart goals specific, measurable, actionable, realistic, and timely. Although not necessarily realistic, since we're talking about speculative fiction here, but you know.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> details, details. But.
1: <laughs> details. Yeah. yeah.
0: The, the other side of this, of course, is woo is much more fun. And that is much more fun. Ackerman. Yes. <laughs> smart.
1: Yeah, it's it's a very consulty type of thing to say, but it it, it does work.
2: Yeah, the, the whoop is definitely like the protagonist's journey, although the
1: obstacle part
2: is generally a little more pronounced in fiction.
1: Yes, it's not your kids wanting you to read to them before bed. It's <laughs>
0: You'd be surprised.
1: Evil overlord trying to destroy you. <laughs> well, those two things are not necessarily yeah. unrelated. <laughs> Are you
2: my mommy? That is, that, is the, <laughs> that is the tool of the evil overlord. Did you give a mouse a cookie? <laughs> yes. Yeah.
0: There are times that, uh, you know, uh, with, with the child demand, uh, that you would actually prefer the evil overlord. It's more straightforward.
2: <laughs> Less Byzantine.
0: Yeah. More understandable. <laughs> yes. Then evil overlord, you look at him and you say, I get that. But... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm uh, I maybe <laughs> I maybe projecting a bit here. So,
2: oh, it's, it's nah. all
1: right. We're out. We're all about evil overlords of <laughs> the
2: Mad Writers Union.
1: Yes. So Charles Dewig, to get back on the topic, <laughs> has written a book called The Power of Habit, in which he expresses whoop a little differently. He talks about cue, routine, and reward, and cue is whatever causes you to do something for example if you if you want a cookie the cue might be either that you're you want something sweet or that you actually want to socialize or or whatever uh the routine is getting that cookie to socialize or whatever and reward is the actual thing that you're getting from it so if all you want is a cookie then you're getting the cookie and the sugar rush that comes from it and if what you want is the socialization then what you're getting is fun time so basically what he talks about is that you need to figure out the cue and the reward and you can mess with the routine as much as you want.
0: Right, I I actually, this is one of my favorite books about habit here, because uh, one of the things that he also brings up is that about 70% of what you do during your entire life is all based on habit, things that just automatically happen. And there are good habits and there are bad habits, and what we wanna try and do is we wanna cultivate the good habits and pare away or pare down the bad habits by recognizing what the cue is and what the reward is. And, and, and Nina was right, this does kind of play into how people react. Th- this is a great resource for a couple of reasons. First of all, I think it's a great resource just so that it kind of gives you an insight into why people do things. And I found this very understandable through a character basis. When I'm writing my characters, I could really use habits worked into my characters. But in terms of writing, you're having a hard time getting your butt in the seat, you need to identify what that cue is. Because chances are, when you're not getting to the chair and writing, what's happening is that you've got something, a habit, that's probably drawing you away. And I I know what some of my habits are. I haven't figured out what the cue is or necessarily what the reward is. And those are the two main things that you need to try to work on.
2: That's an interesting thought for writing, too. Because... Realistically speaking, sometimes for some people, the writing is the end goal and they're not really necessarily aiming to do something with it after the fact. So building that habit might actually be its own reward. But then for those of us who are aiming to publish, to build collections of material, that kind of thing, the way that you approach Q, Routine and Reward for this is going to be a little different. And I like that. I think that adds a lot of nuance to the other specific things we've been talking about. Because it is a slightly different way of looking at goals. As something that you're building as a daily habit instead of, yeah. here's one specific thing I want to get
1: done. Yeah. And also, also there's, a, with regard to the habit cycle, you can build new habits once you understand this. So, I know that there are some people, for example, Kay Tempest Bradford uses a tiny writing tiara that she puts on when she's writing. So... You can use a writing tiara, and that'll be the cue. When you put on the writing tiara, that will be your writing time, and the routine is your writing time, and then you figure out something that gives you a reward for
0: that. I think sometimes a critical thing here is identifying what that reward is, because it, it may not be exactly what you think it is. Charles Doyle does go through this example where one of the rewards he thought it was is that every day at like 3 o'clock or something like that, he would go wandering around, and it would always end up with him eating a cookie at the end of this. Now, I'm paraphrasing here, so I might not remember this. But as he was going through this, and he eliminated the cookie and tried to replace it with something else, what he realized was that his actual reward, or the actual reward here, was it actually gave him a chance to socialize. So it wasn't really the cookie. The cookie was the excuse It was part of the routine, and the reward was actually uh, the socialization with that. So, yeah, it's it's a good way to try to develop new habits. As long as you understand that it's going to take a lot of trial and error, and it's not going to magically work right away. I I love the tiara idea. I think I've tried that sort of thing with hats before myself. (laughs) It's not quite worked.
2: (laughs) You guys know about my shoes. The, the shoes that I wore at Viable Paradise, right. and those were my writing shoes while I was working on my manuscript for Viable Paradise. Cool.
0: Yeah, and your shoes, my coat, <laughs> my jacket that I wear. <laughs> that it, really? as strange as that made yeah, yeah. that strange as that may. That's seen. your writer jacket. That's my writer jacket. I. I I I feel like when I put that jacket on, it's just magic for me. And I don't know why that is, but all things writerly seem to go better when I'm wearing that jacket.
1: Including drinking scotch.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, that goes goes without saying, right? That
1: that, that goes back to the whole cure reward cycle. Because your subconscious is looking at that jacket and going, oh, right, we're going to be writers now. So... You're going to be writers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, this is interesting because we have a we have a friend, Phil. Uh, he's uh, doing really well. He he's amazing. He's he's putting out a lot of uh, he's submitting everywhere right now. But one of his rewards is that he's going to buy. I think it was a tweed jacket with like the little elbow patches and things like that. And I I had to tell Phil to get off my turf because. Uh <laughs> oh. No, he he can have.
2: Uh oh, writer jacket turf. <laughs>
0: He can he can have that he can have the elbow patches turf. I I've got my I got my own jacket, which is slightly
2: Raider jacket gang war.
0: Yeah, <laughs> we'll be like the Jets and the
2: Jets and the Sharks. Okay, <laughs> you're a Jet, you're a Jet all the way. So tying this all together, it seems like the most important factors that we're looking for when setting goals is that they are. As we said in the SMART, so they're specific, measurable, actionable, realistic, and timely. So what I'm taking away from this is that just wanting to do something is never really going to be enough. You're going to have to do a little legwork with any of these particular methods. Really even just come up with the, the meat of the actual goal and then ways to attack it which is probably a little smarter than the checklist, which I had in my notebook for getting into Viable Paradise. I had an actual real notebook for that. And I'll post a photo of it because it's hilarious. <laughs> yes, it was It was a thing. And if I had gone at that process with one of these kind of more specific actionable lists, I probably would have panicked a lot less <laughs> in any case. So we'll be back next episode with what we came up with for 2016 based on all of these lovely new strategies we just talked about.
1: So, Tim, have you read any good books lately?
0: Yes, I have. Oh my god, have I read a good book. So I I have not finished this book yet but I cannot recommend it enough. It is A Long Way to a Small Angry Planet by uh, Becky Chambers. It is fantastic. I don't know if it, you guys know the background of this, but she first did this as a Kickstarter project. did so well, it, it got picked up by a publisher, and I, I started reading it, and I said, there's a lot of hype behind this book, and I was like, okay, what's, what's this all about? And I started reading it, and I was just like, immediately, I was taken by the characters, it was fun, it was kind of this... I don't want to call it quite a space opera because it's not quite that. But yeah, but it's it,
2: it, it, it's a space it, opera.
0: It's so much fun because characters are so engaging, and, and th- there's enough science fiction fun tech to it that it's just interesting, and you can see where things are going. And there's a little mystery here. The main character's got some mystery, and the crewmates are quirky and cool and everything like that. It, you want to be part of this crew, and yeah, she did a she did a great job with this. <laughs> it, it's really good. I've not finished it, and I'm recommending it. <laughs> so that tells you how good this book is. So, Jay, what are you reading?
2: So this week I am reading Signal to Noise by Silvia Moreno-Garcia. I'm also not finished, but I'm also recommending it because it is absolutely delightful. I feel like I can't explain a whole lot about it without spoiling things. So I will just say that It is a wonderful book, and there is a lot of really excellent music that she is referencing in the book. And if it's music that you happen to like, you will almost immediately begin to resonate with this book and just want to curl up and pet it. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Uh, So Nina, what have you been reading?
1: Well, I've been reading a lot, (laughs) but um, I'm going to go with a fiction book that hasn't been mentioned here yet, and uh, that's The Fifth Season by N.K. Jemisin, and that is an amazing book. It took a lot of spoons for me to read because it uses a a second-person present tense narrator for about a third of the book, and it's a lot to take in because most people won't be used to used to that so it's hard but it's also it's also very rewarding Jilly Dreadful said that it's it feels like you're reading history in the making like you're you're reading Octavia Butler's
2: oh so uh Don and
1: yes yes like you're getting in on Ursula K Le Guin's left hand of darkness as it's being published and The fifth season definitely has that sort of feel to it, and it is an amazing book. It's brutal. So go in knowing that you will most likely be crying by the end and emotionally exhausted and all the things, but it's so worth it. Cool. Excellent, excellent, excellent.
0: Very good. (laughs) Intro and exit music is entitled Cephalopod. And our interlude music is called Exotics, both by Kevin Cloud at IncomTech.com. Both works are licensed under the Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. Mad Writers Union can be found online. Our email is madwritersunion at gmail.com. Our website is madwritersunion.com. And on Twitter, our handle is at madwritersunion. This has been the Mad Writers Union.
1: Now let's get to work!